Hey everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. This episode is a really good one. Uh, we chat with Justin Maxwell. Um, Justin is a wealth strategist, uh, tax strategist with Big Life Financial, um, and he's a co-owner and partner with that company. And we we talk a lot about how he took a long time to figure out kind of what his path was in life. He was a, a school teacher for years. He was a gym teacher, phys ed teacher. Um, and not that we're knocking teachers in any way, shape, or form, but for him, he found that he had consistently taken the safe path in life and always chose, uh, you know, the, the choice that where failure, um, was not going to happen. In other words, he didn't want to be overly successful and then, and then fail and have the spotlight shine on, on those failures. So what he regrets is, is not taking action, uh, earlier outside of the, the safe path. Um, so it's a fascinating discussion with regard to what I think a lot of you can relate to a lot of, all of us can relate to with introspection, figuring out what you should be, do with your life, what your best version of yourself is and how you can create the most impact for others. Um, we talk a lot about, uh, their business and how he came, how the, the business came about, how his partnership came about, um, some stresses that occurred with regard to, um, you know, running a small business while you're working, when you have a family with small kids and, and how difficult that can be and how challenging that was with, uh, with regard to Justin's family in particular. And then we dive into a lot of the, the lessons he's learned along the way, as well as what their business offers. Their business serves the, the small business owner and, um, person who makes, you know, three to $500,000 a year and could be saving a lot in taxes that they're not aware of. So they do a lot of tax strategy, tax planning, and then they also incorporate more creative, uh, strategies such as the infinite banking concept. Um, and they also have access to a lot of attorneys and a lot of investment operators and, um, a vast network that they can bring to help solve, uh, your problems with regard to saving money and putting every dollar to work in a better way so that you don't necessarily have to grind quite as hard. Um, and you can look toward creating family, family legacy and that kind of th thing. So it's a fascinating discussion. I think it's, it's a very relatable one. It's all about becoming the best version of yourself, taking ownership, being intentional, um, you know, money as an important tool in your life, but not the end all be all. And so, um, as you can tell, I, I really enjoyed this one and I know you will too. Welcome to the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. Are you an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur? Then this show is for you. Each week, we bring you impactful stories of real people who have overcome painful human adversity to create a life of abundance. A life of abundance. You are not alone in your struggle. Join us and you will experience the power of true stories and gain practical knowledge from founders who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. This podcast will encourage you through your health, relationship, and financial challenges so you can become the hero in your quest for freedom. Take ownership of the life you are destined to live. Turn your adversity into abundance.
Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Bateman, and I'm thrilled today to have with us Justin Maxwell. Justin is a partner of uh, at Big Life Financial. Justin, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Thanks, Jamie. Absolutely. I'm uh, I'm excited. Uh, this is going to be a fun, fun conversation. Um, you and I were chatting briefly beforehand, and I've listened to another podcast that you were on recently, which was uh, kind of piqued my interest for sure. And um, I'm excited to go down some angles you didn't get the chance to talk about uh, on that show. So uh, I know you're going to deliver a lot of value for our for our listener out there. Um, Justin, who are you and what are you up to today? Yeah, so I'm a, a tax and wealth strategist. And is what I help. I, my primary focus is just helping the small business owner keep more of the money they're making and then make deliberate decisions about where they put it so they can grow it safely and maximize their their value and, and, and their their contribution to the to the world. I've been able to to help business owners around the country save tens of millions of dollars in taxes and in just unnecessary spending. I think we're we've I think we might have crossed the 50 million threshold um just recently. So we're we, we've saved people a lot of money, um, and it's it's not about trying to save people money to to be greedy or to spend money on things, but to mm-hmm. save money so you can deliver more value, be more present with your family, and just be a, a better contributor to your circle of influence. Hmm. I love that. I mean, I thought that all, all uh, entrepreneurs and small business owners were just you know greedy, selfish uh, jerks who like to. Hoard, hoard money and, and, uh, you know, count, count it all day long, but apparently not. So yeah. that's me being sarcastic. No, I love that. It's awesome. Cause I, I totally, um, fully believe in that, in that concept and that principle, as far as, um, you know, showing up and becoming the best version of yourself as an entrepreneur or small business owner or investor that just overflows into all other aspects of your life. And you're able to impact more people. And I truly believe that, you know, small business is is uh, the backbone of our economy and and is a force for good. Um, but we'll save my my rant for another another yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah, it's good. We're on the same page there. Absolutely. And so, Justin, I know you haven't always been doing this. It hasn't been all that long, actually, that you've kind of been down this particular um, path, um, or at least part of your your path and your journey. So, let's jump back into your backstory. Um, you know, what's um, where would you like to start? I know you you and I were chatting a little bit about this beforehand, and it sounds like it, it some of the uh, challenges you've been through actually kind of started maybe at a at a very young age. So pick it up from there if you would. Yeah, so I think it'll it's a good note for your listener to listeners to just know that I I was a school teacher. I had a I had a master's degree. I thought I was going to want to even go all the way to a doctorate degree and just be in the education academia setting. Um, but I think it's important to note that I chose that because of my like my childhood and like what I what I think what will be beneficial is listening is I chose that because that was a safe route in my entire life. I always played it safe. I never went for the big thing. But the the concept I think is important is like as a youth, as a, a child, like I always felt I had the skills to go big and to be successful, like at sport. Or at what I, I always felt like I could do it, but whenever mm-hmm. it came time to perform, I would always do something that didn't allow me to to shine the spotlight, or I would hold mm-hmm. back, or I wouldn't participate, or I would I don't want to say purposely fail because I don't think mm-hmm. I ever purposely failed, but I I wouldn't do it. So just as an example, mm-hmm. this is just an example I think can relate because I, I used to wrestle in high school. Yeah. Okay. And like, I felt like my senior year specifically that I got, I was good enough to actually start like actually having some success. But when it came time to performing, like there was this internal fear that if I became successful and then failed, like I'd be seen as a failure. Mm. So my thought process was if I never truly became truly successful, I can never be seen as a failure. So I'll always just do things where I can succeed, but never push beyond that. So I, Whenever anything mm-hmm. that I did, I never pushed beyond the point of failure. So my whole life, it was never, it was never getting past that point where I would actually truly, truly fail. And I don't know if that makes sense, but that's sure. why I chose teaching because I knew that I could succeed in teaching. And teachers, it's hard to get fired. It's hard to fail. Like you could suck. You could be good. You can succeed. 
yeah. a teaching safe. It was going to sure. give me income. I was going to be seen as a success to everyone around me. People appreciate teachers. People love them. Sure. But for me, that was the safe spot. And that was exactly what I'd done my entire life. Got it. Interesting. And now obviously we're not going to, you know, there, you know, we don't have to dive into the reasons why you think that um, maybe lack of, uh, it sounds like you just didn't want to take that, that risk um, consistently. You had that, you had that fear of failure basically is what it sounds like it boils down to fear of success, but, but really is a fear of failure or a fear of being spotlighted you know, as a failure, again, I'm just playing, playing right. therapist here. And so, you know, for, for probably numerous reasons that that fear was there at a young age. Um, and to be clear, teachers serve, and, and I'm sure you, you know, would echo this, but teachers serve a valuable, you know, role in our, in our society. And, and my, you know, I have a, my, my family, there are a lot of teachers in my family and, um, you know, that's, it's not that we're knocking teachers here in any way, shape or form, but for you, it sounds like you tell me if I'm wrong, that in the end, you weren't really living up to your full potential. You you thought there was maybe, you know, just more, or you, you, this wasn't really the, the plan, the best uh, use of your own talents and resources. Uh, is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that's a great way to say it. I just, I needed, I myself needed to do more. It wasn't that teaching sucks or that teaching teachers can't mm -hmm. be successful. And it, honestly, I could have pursued and done more in teaching. Like I could have started entrepreneurial things with inside of teaching and done it. Mm -hmm. But for me, I had to exit teaching to fully realize my full potential. So teachers, I'm not, you don't have to exit teaching to, <laughs> sure. to like reach your full potential. But for right. myself, like, teaching was like the embodiment of all of the things that I'd always done my entire life. And so for me, I had to push past that. I had to, I had to exit sure. it to prove myself that I could actually choose to fail and choose to be successful. That was yeah. my journey to get out of that. If that yeah, makes sense. Absolutely. And I had a, I've used this one. I've referred to this a few times on the, on the show, but I had a college roommate who was a power lifter and he would talk about, um, you know, people would, he would squat like seven, 800 pounds and, um, people would say, that's very risky. That's terrible for your knees. And, and he would say, well, would you rather rust out or wear out, you know, and he'd rather wear out because yeah, it might, it might do some collateral damage. And, um, but would you really, when you look back, would you like to say, I never, never really gave it my all. I'm not sure I, I could have squatted 850, but I didn't try, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, I love that. And, and of course, everyone's journey is different, but for the listener out there, how did you dive into it, it's I'm, I'm guessing you did some serious introspection and, and, you know, kind of self-discovery, if you will, along the way, I'm sure this wasn't an overnight process, but talk about how you approached that um, with regard to understanding who you were first, um, not so much, you know, who you were trying to serve yet, but just how did you determine kind of your own, makeup and DNA, if you will. Um, what, what did that process look like? Yeah, that's a, it's a great question. So for me, it all was triggered by an event. So I, I listened to someone speak. So someone was speaking, his name was Garrett Gunderson, like he's an extraordinary financial thought leader. Mm -hmm. Like if you haven't heard of him, he's, he, he provides a lot of value in the space. But yeah. as I heard him speak, like it just triggered in my mind that I don't have to be afraid or I don't have like I can I can do things for myself and still bring a lot of value to society. It's not like I have to be a teacher to bring value to society. Like I can mm -hmm. do things that can benefit society and my family simultaneously. I don't have to sacrifice mm -hmm. wealth or success for the name of society or for the name of playing it safe. Like I can go and do more. So that mm -hmm. triggered it. And I didn't that was just like the triggering point. It didn't mean I had had it all solved or did the introspection right then, but that sure. at least triggered that, you know what? I can pursue something more like I can sure. do this. And so it yeah. just started me on a journey of the small action steps of I'm going to try this and I'm going to take a little bit of action. This I'm going to read this book. I'm going to go to this conference. I'm going to sure. study here. I'm going to associate or network here. And all of these cumulative events brought more clear picture of like, this is yeah. the path I need to be on. And it started to piece together all these missing pieces sure. that I never knew were missing until yeah, that's really good point. So tell me what at that triggering point, 
what what give us a little, a little more context you know what was your life like at that point were you, were you married how old were you you know what what yeah what were you doing career wise so i was a, i was teaching at a school um i was a physical education teacher i had been i think that was year four of teaching maybe year yeah. maybe year three and yeah. so it was just like this i had been teaching not in a terribly long time but i'd been teaching for a good chunk of time so i had my legs under me i knew how to teach i knew what what to sure. do i wasn't like overwhelmed um, I had, I was married. We had one son. Um, I think the second son might've been on the way or really close to being on the mm-hmm. way. Um, and I mean, like my wife did not work, so we just had a teacher salary. And if anyone's familiar with teacher salaries at the beginning, they're sure. not fabulous. So they're yeah. not very, they're not yeah. very good. So we were living just in an apartment, just living. I, I, we We weren't like stressed. Like we always stayed within our means, but mm-hmm. like, you're not really like, you're just, you're, you're living paycheck to paycheck. You're living. Yeah, you're not, you're not thriving financially. You're do, yeah. you're doing. You're not in poverty or on the street, but you're not really killing it. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. So that that's where I was, and so it it just was a just a normal. I guess you'd almost say it was very typical American life, where you're just living sure. life. You're have enough to eat. You're not stressed about like losing money. I'm not upside down, but. There's no, we couldn't go on vacations. Like we could drive to camping events, but that's about it. Like there wasn't like Mm -hmm. anything, like the experience of life was in that moment, which is what I think most people live is most Americans live that. Yeah. And I think there is, you know, there's a time to, to take things in general. It's a good thing to approach life day by day and enjoy the moment. Right. It's not, we're not saying you should never enjoy the day or, or live in the present, of course. But I do think too many Americans get caught in the, the cycle of busyness and don't actually take the time to step back and and then reflect and maybe project reflect and look forward as far as you know what am i trying to be intentional about what do i want my life to look like um so you know it, it is important to create that space to be able to kind of listen to a Garrett Gunderson or somebody like that and and receive that message um so then, so walk us through the kind of subsequent years after that triggering moment. Yeah. So I, I decided, you know what, I'm going to try and figure out if I can create a entrepreneurship journey that will allow me to leave teaching. That's, that was what I decided I was going to do because I felt like I needed, that was going to be my, my, my quest to get out of teaching. Not again, we already talked about why, but that was what sure. I was going to do. So that triggered it. And so I did lots of things. So I tried some sales things. I tried real estate investing. Like I flipped some houses. I mm-hmm. even, I even, uh, did some, I brokered a performing note once. Like mm. I did all sorts okay. of things in real estate. Like I even tried to wholesale. Like I was just trying to find something. And the reason I did that is I had a neighbor who was in real estate. And so we were doing it together and we mm. were just on this journey. So, um, I did, I wasn't doing it blind either. I did have some education that I purchased. So that was a big mm. step. So I did purchase some real estate education. So I wasn't going to make drastic mistakes, but I still sure. failed a lot, even with the mm-hmm. education. Like I, I didn't, you. like I lost some money on a flip. Like the mm-hmm. flips never went the way they were supposed to go to. Like mm-hmm. they were, it was harder, longer, more money yeah. than they were all every single time. Um, what, year, what year was this approximately? Uh, it that? was 17, 18, okay. 19 in that range. Got okay. Yep. Got it. Okay. So you're, you're, you know, you know, your teaching isn't your long-term play, but you haven't quite found your footing yet outside right. of teaching. Yes. Um, and so, and I, and I do, I mean, you know, it's like people do have to try different things and that's most people learn by doing right. Um, so it sounds like you were not being, uh, throwing caution to the wind. You were, you, uh, invested in education. You had someone you were working with. So you weren't just trying this stuff blindly, but you just, hadn't quite found your, your, you know, footing, if you will. Yeah. And I was trying to, I think this kind of happens a lot with entrepreneurship is you try and chase money. So you hear, mm-hmm. oh, that's a great avenue. And so everyone, this, this success story of someone that succeeded in this niche or this avenue, mm-hmm. it, it was like, well, I think I can do that. That person doesn't look too different for me. And so I was like chasing that. But then when you get into that, you're like, they're like the, they've, they've, we're seeing the tip of the iceberg. They put in a whole bunch of work underneath here that led sure. to this success. And so like when I got there, I was like, I don't like this work. I don't like this mm-hmm. avenue. Like just because I'm not, I don't want to chase money and grind through all this crap that 
I don't like doing. Maybe this person had success like doing it, but it wasn't for me. So like sure. that was a part of the failure process for me is as I was going through like finding the deals and doing the work and doing the due diligence, like that mm -hmm. dealing with contractors, like that wasn't mm -hmm. invigorating to me. Like I didn't feel like I was making a difference. I felt like I was chasing money and chasing money is a losing game, at least in my mind. Like you're not going to find fulfillment in chasing money. So that's why I tried so many different things as well. I was like, well, maybe if I tried this or that, I can find a different avenue and I will find fulfillment. I will find this is sure. for me. But I never found it in real estate. Real estate as a job or a profession, mm -hmm. like I like investing in real estate, but for as a right. job where I'm like the day-to-day -day manager and I'm running yeah. the company, that wasn't what Not was fulfilling thing. to me. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact is that the types of real estate invest, I'll put investing in quotes, uh, that you mentioned it's not really investing and, and I'm yeah. not putting it down, but it's, it's, it's transactional, you know, in my opinion, fix and flipping is, is not investing. Yeah. It's just a business. Uh, you're, you're, you're business. using real estate as a business. Yeah. And then real estate, and it can be a very lucrative business and real estate is a great place to, to invest and run a business. I mean, uh, but that's not really, you know, a great long-term plan. So if you don't enjoy the day-to-day -day grind, as you said, and hustle and the transactional and all there's a lot of behind the scenes uh work yeah maybe you don't want to commit your next few decades to that right, <laughs> um, right. so okay so um now at this time i mean were there any other kind of how else were you approaching the introspection as far as figuring out really what you you know what you would like what you're made of kind of thing or was it was it Pretty yeah, much, so I'm gonna pretty, try this pretty heavily in books and reading, and then just like yeah. listening to thought leaders, like trying to get perspective on like how do you find your your thing, like. And sure. so there's a ton of books and just a ton of reading and ton of listening to just different people. Like I, I've bounced around from I, everyone. I think a lot of entrepreneurs always attract to Tony Robbins because he's sure with a lot of insight and power around like how do you find fulfillment and how do you find what you're lo looking to do. So like yep. going down those roads and studying those type of philosophy, I guess you could almost call them philosophers or philosophies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so just those thought leaders that you can, the big names you can think of continue down the path of like really getting into what Garrett Gunnarsson was producing mm -hmm. and talking about. And it was just all like, cause it's a whole bunch of information and it sure. takes, for me, it took a lot of to soak in. Like it took, yeah. it didn't just like, Oh, I know what I want to do. So it's like <laughs> soaking in, soaking in. And eventually like I, it was just happenstance, but because I, I think there's an important lesson here. Mm -hmm. There's two important lessons I think would your listener would be yeah, what, what, what are is, those? Number one is because I was doing all of this and teaching, it was putting a strain on my relationship with my family because I was doing so much outside of teaching to try and figure this out. Mm -hmm. And so I do want to put a word of caution, number one, on as you do go about this, specifically if you're trying to leave a full-time job, don't just become this grinder that just is like someday, honey, then we'll be okay. Like it's mm -hmm. not that you got to still focus and be present with your family and find mm -hmm. a way to either wake up really early or find a way to build it into your schedule where you're not just mm -hmm. deserting your family or bring your family into the business mm -hmm. so that you're doing it together. Um, sure. Cause that, that, that was a, a time where like it did cause a pretty frictional relationship for a little bit well, there. If, you, so, if you would um you know we don't i'm not going to pry too much but um yeah. i think it's an important piece because you know we just gloss as you said we talk we focus on the successes of that everybody has and entrepreneurship is so sexy these days and you know and and um the fact is most of us are working from home and we're running we're if you're an entrepreneur you're in charge and so it's really hard to create boundaries. Um, and I'm speaking from experience from, for as far as day to day, hour by hour boundaries and, um, you know, and, and kind of you're in charge. I mean, it's, you wake up, no one's telling you what to do. And so you've got to, there's pressure to produce on that side, but then it, you know, it, it can really, um, the pressure and stress and, and work of it all can, can overflow in a negative way into your, your family life, your mental health, um, which I want to talk more about uh, on future episodes as well. But um, this is something that's very relatable for for entrepreneurs and small business owners, who, especially if they have a family. So, so what, was it a bad day you had or what, you know, what uh, I'm being a little bit, you know, flippant, but yeah, what, so, what did that look like? Yeah. So it, it honestly was me just thinking this is for the benefit of my family. I'm going to, if I want to do this, I have to dive full in and I have to 
put in time. I have to go to these networking events. I have to be talking to people. I have to be reading these books. And so it just became, I'd get home from school. I would spend about probably an hour or two with my wife, and then I'd be gone for the rest of the evening. She'd put the children to bed, and then I would come back home. We'd do our just like hang out at night, and then same thing every day. So is what it feel, felt like to her, even though in mm-hmm. my mind it wasn't. I wasn't trying to do it this way. Is sure. all of these other things were way more important than the family, and sure. way more important than her. And so because I was spent the uh, the time spent mm-hmm. was greater, obviously because you spend more time doing those things. But the sure. time that we were together wasn't high quality either. Like it was, I was, mm-hmm. I was tired because I was doing so much. So it was a lot of me just like, I need to rest or I need to sit on the couch. Can we just sit down for a second or just kind of chill and be lazy when she right. wanted to go be engaged and do things, hiking and walking and going on bikes and going to the park. But sure. like it, it, it was, <laughs> it's hard to do all those things. And so this is a really big paradox that I think you have to kind of overcome as every entrepreneur has to kind of come at arrival at. What is more important? What do you actually value in life? And how do you balance this in a way that you can still be really present and still be really impactful in the time that you have with your family, sure. but then still have the energy to go do this stuff? And I think you have to pull back sometimes from business and spend more time mm-hmm. with your family and be really yeah. intentional. Um, but I think for, for me, like it really put a strain on mm-hmm. it. Like it was not a, a good, was, I, I had sure. to make an introspective decision, like what's more important. Yeah. Like, do I just need to go back to teaching only or can I make this work and balance it out? Sure. Um, now, was this, was this, would you just to kind of, before we move on, was it a six month period? I mean, I know it's not a direct answer. There's no yeah. way to answer that, but how long was this like strain on the, on the family? Yeah. I mean, like I would probably say it was over a year of, Got it. it didn't like, it didn't start out like as fully being strained. Cause in the beginning yeah. it was like, there's, this is kind of, we haven't experienced this, but as the friction continues to build, Sure. Over time, it builds up and gets bigger and bigger. So understood. Yeah, I've I've, I've interviewed uh, very successful people on this show. Who um, one stands out in my memory where she said that you know she came from extreme poverty and and abuse and very very difficult um, circumstances. Um, Anna Kelly, I believe, it, 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 but she. Um, you know, she made it really big. She's very, very wealthy now, like very successful. And one of the things she said was maybe I could have taken my foot off the gas a little bit and reached X dollars two years later and been a little more present, you know, with my family. So, uh, you know, I think that's a, it's still noble to have that, that drive and, you know, it's okay to chase wealth and, um, you know, success in, in my opinion, right. But you got to keep it in perspective and, um, it, it's not easy and everyone's journey is different and there is, I think, a requirement for hard work. You know, it doesn't just show yeah. up in your lap, you know, just magically, you know? Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's why it's a paradox. Like, cause you can't not work. You can't sure. just have it. It doesn't just happen to you. So you do have to work hard, but I think you have to be really intentional with everything you're doing. So you have to be really intentional with the time you spend at work. You have to be really intentional with the time you're spending with your family. And then sure. you have to purposely plan things to do with your family. Absolutely. It's like, because the work is going to happen no matter what. So you almost have to insert, we're going to do this with my family on this day mm-hmm. and no work is there. And so as yeah. you do those type of purposeful things, that helps because then everyone feels involved and then you can bring people in. It just, it helps with everything and it, sure. it re- relieves the tension, the stress. But one thing that I think that I really wanted to mention when you just were talking was something I've really discovered recently is we have a lifetime. So everyone seems to want to race to X goal. Like typically like the the W2 person that isn't really entrepreneur, they're racing age 65 or they're trying sure. to, maybe they want to retire. So they're racing age 55. So everything is about getting to that point. Yeah. But then those are just like, most people are probably going to live to age 90, 85. Like they're still going to live 20 years. You're racing mm-hmm. to something that's arbitrary and doesn't matter. Like sure. you don't, there's no winning for getting to age 65 with X amount of dollars or X amount right. of wealth or success. It's not, you have a lifetime to live life and achieve everything you're doing. So you can, you can wait, you can put your business on pause for a day and go spend time with your family and you're going to mm-hmm. be just fine. Like, cause you're not, That's there's not good. a, there's not an end goal. It's your life yeah. you're living and you don't have to measure yourself from other people's yeah. success. No, it's really good. And, and the fact is like you alluded to, once you hit that goal, it's going to be exciting and, and, you know, but at the end of the day, 
tomorrow comes and then nobody cares <laughs> like to be honest with you so it's you know uh whether it happened on monday or tuesday it's not gonna really gonna matter too much um that's really good so it you, you got to be able to stop and smell the flowers and it but but bigger more importantly i think be intentional about like you said carving out that time or scheduling the the, the vacation ahead of time because it's not just going to materialize on its own so um yeah, I think if you look at somebody's calendar and how they spent their time, that's pretty telling with as far as what what's actually important to them. Um, so, fast forward, you know, to today. I mean, you, how did uh, how did you get with uh, to Big Life Financial, and and how did you become a a wealth strategist and tax strategist when you were a, a phys ed teacher? How did the, you know how, yeah. how does that work? Yeah, that's a great question. So in that process of experimenting, like I just kept falling back to Gun Garrett Gunderson. So Garrett Gunderson is a, an extraordinary financial thought leader. And it just kept saying like, I can, I, I was just drawn to that. Like I've always loved math. Mm -hmm. I, I know I was a phys ed teacher and you wouldn't really associate math with phys ed, but like math has been my, probably my best subject overall, like my entire life. Like I get mm -hmm. math, I can do it really quickly. Numbers are very, I just, I didn't, I pursued engineering slightly in college and I didn't want mm -hmm. to do engineering. And for some reason, I thought engineering was the only thing associated with numbers. And so I just stepped completely away and went it's with it's funny, really it's funny. It's funny you say that because I actually, I, I going into college, but I didn't know what to major in. And my, my mom said, well, you're good at math and science, so do engineering. So I said, okay. <laughs> so I started down the engineering path as well. I was doing mechanical engineering. Ended up actually technically getting a bachelor's in sports management. So oh. we don't have totally different stories there, but... Uh, it's just funny because yeah, I, I was good at math, but I didn't know what that what to do with that. Right, correct. <laughs> um, so, so finance and math, you're you're drawn to and, and yeah. money. Um, yep. So take it from there. And so I kept relating to what Garrett was talking about, and it just like I just complete happenstance, like just as like because I was because this is an important point because it goes back to what we we're talking about before. If you're going to find success, you still have to work and you still have to put action in. And mm -hmm. I kept taking action on just different events and different learning experiences. And at one of these learning experiences, I happened to encounter my now business partner, um, Derek. And so okay. Derek had started Big Life Financial prior to us meeting, and he already had a vision for what we were trying to do. And he was already in even more happenstance. Derek is Garrett Gunderson's brother-in-law. Okay. So like he was already connected and he was trying to build a similar business off to what Garrett was doing with a little bit more focus on tax. Mm -hmm. And so it was just like this perfect melding point is I was really attracted to what Garrett was doing. I had no idea how to get into that space. Mm -hmm. I happened to meet Garrett, Derek and mm -hmm. it just bloomed from there. And we went like, I've dove into hours and hours and hours of training on like numbers and math and like, what is, what works, what doesn't work, what is the best philosophies, but still keep it in mind. Cause Garrett's big thing is, is it's, you have, it's not about the money. The money is like the least important thing. Mm -hmm. But you still have to solve the money problem sure. to experience everything else you want to do. So mm -hmm. the money is not important, but you still need money to experience life, to have the finances, to have powerful relationships, to have good health, to, to even like, so typically oftentimes to have a good relationship with whatever faith you're involved in. Like sure. if that's not solved, all, all those things typically suffer. So right. this thing that's not most important is needed to solve the things that are most important. And sure. so- that's like the connection point that we really thrive on is we want to help people solve the money problem so they can focus on what's most important. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, money is, is definitely important. It's, it, this is, you know, but, but absolutely I agree with you. It's not, it's not the end all be all. It's not the end goal. It's, it's not going to solve all your problems if you're just chasing money or um, wealth in and of itself, but it's critically important. If you, you know, I just said the other day, your, your bookkeeper, or your tax your CPA, they know a lot about you or know a lot about your business. They got all the answers are there as far as how you're actually doing with your business. Um, so, you know, the, just the numbers don't lie in that sense. And, and money, I don't think it's, it's healthy to bury your head in the sand and not learn about money, not, you know, understand how money works, how it flows. Um, so, okay. And so Derek Van Ness is your business partner, right? Um, so how did that go, come to, so you, you, you just immerse yourself in learning all this stuff and, um, sounds like you hit it off with, with Derek, what would you say about kind of how that evolved? And for the listener, if they're thinking about starting a business with someone, uh, or they already have a business and they, they want to bring on a partner, 
how did that go for you two? And what, what lessons were learned with regard to business partnership? Yeah, it just started out with him, like almost being a mentor at, at, at the basis, mm-hmm. base level of like him, here's the resources I want you to study. Here's some things I want you to help me do. And mm-hmm. the, the best way for me to describe it is, is I brought a lot of value to him. So I sure. just kept bringing value over and over again. And I was just a, my own, like I had my own business and I was just like a contractor with him and just assisting him with things. And it got to the point where I, I brought, I guess you could say enough value that he felt mm-hmm. like this is someone I want to partner with. And so then sure. we don't, because we've been working like in the mentor E type relationship, mm-hmm. he's like, let's just, let's just form something together and just sure. go together instead of you working not, it wasn't working for him, but I was being like a contractor for him and doing things in his behalf and through yeah. the company. So that's how it's developed. And I think, I don't think that's normal, but um, <laughs> I feel like if you're, you, if you're bringing partnerships on to kind of get to that, that question you had, mm-hmm. I think you have to have someone, number one that you like, um, sure. but that, that it brings you value that they're doing something that you don't do well. So mm-hmm. like they're, they're the other side of the coin of what you're not good at. So Derek is re- like, I'm very a logical person and a very numbers based person. And like very, mm-hmm. people call me stoic and like that type mm-hmm. of personality. Derek is almost on the other side of the, the coin of me. He's very artistic. Mm-hmm. He likes numbers and stuff, but his, his personality is much more on the, you'd creative. say on the other side, the creative and the, that type of side of things. So sure. um, it's been a good melding point because we have different strengths and, yeah. and different things like that. Now, I think it's important also to note that you do need to make sure legal things are in place as you set up partnerships because sure. if legal things aren't in place with partnerships and they dissolve and the relationship dissolves, it can be really messy for people. Absolutely. So don't just make partnerships without legal um, help because yeah. I've been exposed to some really nasty business divorces that are, hmm. they, they ruin, like it ruins the business and it ruins cash flow. It ruins like it, ruins relationships between parties when it doesn't so, have to be that way. Well, was that, and we won't dive into specifics, but, but was that in the real estate uh, phase of your career? Uh, no, that's it? with the, now the people that I've been working with now, gotcha. um, okay. like as we, cause I, we, we service small business owners and some sure. of them happen at partnerships. And as we've been a part of that relationship and servicing them, I see. we've been a part of their divorce. God, I see. I see. So, so not something you've, Personally, you've been very close to it, but not you weren't one of the partners. Um, Correct. Yes. Got it. Understood. You had a front row seat, unfortunately, to to the business divorce. Got it. Um, Yeah. So um, now before we get, I I do have some questions to throw at you, um, but talk a little bit more about the business, how your business is structured, what, who it is you serve specifically. You've already talked about it a little bit, but how do you approach your your clients? What do you actually do for them? Because you know, for the 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 listener out there, they understand it's like taxes and wealth and saving money. But what does that really look like if a client comes to you? Who are you serving, and what does the process look like? Yeah, so we we t- primarily serve successful entre- small business entrepreneurs. So these are people that are when I say successful, success is defined in different ways. I'm talking financially successful. They're making at least two hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, all the way up to to millions, but most of our people fall between two hundred and about six hundred thousand dollars a year in taxable income. Okay. And these are people that typically don't have large accounting teams. They typically just have one accountant, and that's about it. Maybe they have one financial advisor, and that's it. And we're coming in to see is can we bring value here? Can we help you save some taxes that your accountant mm-hmm. isn't bringing to your attention? Can we mm-hmm. help you potentially grow your money a little safer by not necessarily competing or take away from your other advisor, but do you want to allocate some funds over to another arena that isn't in that, what this advisor can bring? Or do you happen to have loans in different ways? Like we help a lot of, most of, a lot of our clients are in the medical space, so they have student mm-hmm. loans. Can mm-hmm. we help you more efficiently pay off the student loans to keep more money over time? Our goal is, our, our thought process and our philosophy is, is that you have delivered value to your customer. You've been mm-hmm. rewarded with by delivering that value with money. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes, a lot of that money that you've been rewarded with will disappear from you unnecessarily. So if you could meet a criteria in the tax code mm-hmm. that would allow you to keep that dollar, you have unnecessarily paid it. So oftentimes, the people we're working with could have done something to keep that dollar in, in, instead of it going to the government, mm-hmm. but they didn't because they didn't know it existed. So if we can mm-hmm. help you keep 
twenty or thirty thousand dollars every year that was going to go to taxes, but now mm-hmm. gets to stay with you. That's twenty or thirty thousand dollars that can go back into your business, or go into a family fund, or go into a future wealth opportunity. And but because sure. you've kept that, that rate of return on those dollars is far bigger than trying to chase huge rates of return in the market or in other mm-hmm. investments. So now you don't have to take excessive risk because you're being super efficient with the dollars that you've already earned. Mm-hmm. And I think I remember you uh, on the, the uh, Creating Wealth Simplified podcast talking about um, essentially you you all plug in as another team member. Is that fair to say? I, I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, the natural pushback is, no, I already have my CPA. I already have my attorney. Uh, you know, they're not going to, you know, I don't need that to be replaced. So how do you work with the current uh, professionals who are already working with these these clients? I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make is that they, and it's not their fault, but it's just this what society tells us. When you specifically when you start a business, find a good CPA, find a good attorney. But then we stop there. So as mm-hmm. our business grows, as we become more successful, we just assume I already have my team together, my tax mm-hmm. team, my attorney team. That's already set. I don't need to add additional people. But the that's out of all of the experience I've learned is that's an incorrect and it's going to lose you money mm. proposition. So the role that we play is we fill the role as a new team member. We're not trying to replace any accountants mm-hmm. or any attorneys on your team, but we can bring a lot of additional value to people by joining your tax team, joining your, because we have attorneys too that we refer to because there's some legal things and trusts and mm-hmm. things like that that we can help people set up that are really tax efficient or ways to protect assets that they might not have access to. But we also let us join as a, a wealth advisor team, not replacing your current person if you don't want to replace them, but just mm-hmm. we're, we can bring value that we can almost guarantee is not being delivered to you currently, specifically mm-hmm. for that client that we serve, which is the successful financial business owner between 200 to about a million, there's a really mm-hmm. low chance that they're receiving the, the the services and the strategies and the things that we're bringing to the table for for the mm-hmm. for, for them. So sure, that makes sense. I you know, I, I uh, I've got my CPA who I've worked with for, um, I don't know, now eight or nine years, maybe longer. I have I like working with them, with him and his team, and I, I have no intention of replacing him. And he's got, it's just easier to keep it with him. Right. <laughs> but right. the fact is he's, he's backward looking. He's not, we're not actually meeting and doing a whole lot of, and most CPAs are like this. They, they, they want to save you money, but it's all reactive. And it's just what, what actually happened uh, last year that I can, you know, help save you on taxes. There's very little planning and intentionality that goes into to that side of things for most for for yeah. most business owners, I would say. So you're you're joining alongside that CPA, um, not not working in the, you know in their office, but you're part of the new you're you're a new part of the team, if you will, to add more uh, strategy, planning, intentionality um, with regard to tax saving, um, and and what other besides saving money on taxes, what else does your your business offer? Yeah, so we we can save you money on taxes. We can help you capture the savings because one of the big misconceptions out there is this is why this is why lottery winners when they get a huge chunk of money like it disappears and they go bankrupt. It's because mm-hmm. there's a security that comes with a large amount of money, and you just mm-hmm. go into this unconscious spending mode because you feel like the money's there. I'm secure enough. I have enough in the bank. I can just spend it. Mm-hmm. And so, is what we help people do is we separate new income and saved income away from them out mm. of their spending account and we create automation so they can still spend in an unconscious way, but the the saved dollars get captured. So they can they can deliberately choose to either consume those in the form of spending or get them working for them back in their business or their other investment opportunities. Mm. And that's a key point that I think a lot of people miss is mm. just because we save you money doesn't mean it's going to be automatically driven towards a new wealth opportunity. Because oftentimes sure. unconscious spending will take it away from you. Like you're mm-hmm. going to unconsciously spend it. So we stop that from happening or can at least slow it from happening. You can still spend it if you want, mm-hmm. but at least you have a choice around it versus it just being an unconscious thing. Sure. So you s- not just saving on taxes, but actually saving it or, or putting those dollars to work at, with another investment opportunity. Um, it's interesting. I, yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a, a a mastermind group that I think you would uh, really like the, the, the group members. We're all about this type of thing. It's, pa- it's called the passive income mastermind and we use infinite banking and different strategies, but, um, but of course it's really at the end of the day, up to each member in the, in the group to kind of put this into, into action. 
Um, so, okay. And, uh, tax savings and then kind of stopping the, the wasteful spending of those tax savings. So it sounds like saving money on taxes, saving money after saving money on taxes, if you will, and, and being able to put that money back to work. Um, and I know there are a lot of other angles that you all uh, approach this this problem from, but I think what might be helpful is if we if we talk about maybe a case study, if you can kind of walk us through, you know, talk about a client. You don't have to name names, but how, give us a real life, a real world example of how you've been able, how you you and your your business and your team have been able to help somebody uh, with the, with these issues. Yeah, no, absolutely. So here, here's just a very we'll just we'll just going to go with this avatar of someone that makes five hundred thousand dollars a year. We uh, and again, we can still help people less than that, and not saying but five hundred thousand is a good point because typically they're paying six figures in taxes, and it's it's a good sure. point for us to highlight the how we do this. So, is what we do is we do an analysis of where they're at. Is there anything that's missing? So, for example, a lot of medical practitioners oftentimes miss the research and development tax credit. Like it's mm-hmm. something that they qualify for oftentimes, but they don't claim it. So that's something we can go in and help them claim and apply to their taxes. And oftentimes we can go backwards and have the IRS send them a check. So most of our mm-hmm. medical practitioners that we help are going to get somewhere between five to $10,000 every mm-hmm. year on the R&D credit. And it's a credit, so it's dollar mm-hmm. for dollar reduction in taxes. So we can go backwards too, and we can have the IRS send them a check. Like let's just say in 2020, they qualified for the R&D credit but didn't claim it. We can amend their 2020 taxes mm. and the IRS will send them a $5,000 check. Wow, I see. And so that's, that's where cool. we start is, can we bring money back from the mm-hmm. IRS first? Is there anything we can get back that we have that you missed that you, that you should have claimed back then that is actually, because most things you can't go backwards on. Sure. But the R&D credit is one. So we, we go backwards first. Can we recover money from the IRS that is yours but doesn't need to be, but you don't have currently? Then we look for how can we be proactive and how can we implement things prior to the end of the year so that you pay less in tax. We typically approach that from just a few perspectives of can you invest in something that has a tax break? So a lot of like you're familiar with real estate has tax breaks. Sure. Can we help you get into a real estate opportunity so you save taxes? Energy sector, can we help you get into the energy sector so you save taxes? Can we help you invest in a donation strategy so you can create a tax arbitrage where I had to pay a dollar, but I'm going to save two in taxes. So I'm plus $1. So we look and apply all of these different areas so that when we get to the end of the year, their tax bill is less. And oftentimes it's significantly less. It's going to be hundreds of thousands for the 500,000, not hundreds of thousands, but a hundred thousand ish off Mm -hmm. their taxes for the Mm $500,000 person. And then we are going to look to then take that savings and use that for the next year to help accelerate all of those things again. So you are investing in more things that save you more taxes, but are also going to have a rate of return and back into donations. So we're using save tax dollars to save more dollars into the future. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. oftentimes we use what you mentioned with that infinite baking type whole life policy as our sure. takeoff point for that, because it's more efficient than taking off from a bank. So we have the money flowing through there, the tax savings flow into the, the whole life policy. And then you take from the whole life policy to go save more taxes. And then the save taxes come back in the whole life policy. Mm-hmm. You just keep doing this process over and over again. And then eventually you're going to be able to, the goal is like for most of our clients is once we've saved them in this cycle for a while, we can start peeling off some of the savings and investing into their business or into other opportunities, their growth opportunities that Mm. will help them continue to accelerate their wealth. But the goal is to make like a self-sustaining tax savings circle. Got it. System. Yeah, that's 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 really good. And I love what what I was thinking about was you, it, it really helps the client um, not grind more. So speaking of the the lesson we talked about earlier, which is kind of being more, you you don't necessarily have to sacrifice time with your family to be a successful entrepreneur. Well, if you're taking an intentional and efficient approach to wealth management and tax savings and investing, then you don't actually have, you can make more money with the, with your current amount of work and your current business. You don't necessarily have to grind harder uh, you can probably actually work a little bit less if you're being more smarter about how you approach things. So tell me, um, what does this look like? You know, is it a, do they have a, does your client have a quarterly meeting with you all? Or how does this actually play out? You know, why can't I just do this on my own? Uh, uh, you know, I know that's two different questions, but, right. you know, what is it the accountability piece or is it your the network that you all have or 
you know, um, how does this actually play out? And why do you find most clients do better working with, with your business versus not working with you all? Yeah, excellent question. So I'll start with the how often do we meet and then I'll answer the sure. why is it why why is this something you typically you might you could probably do it on your own maybe, but why is it the <laughs> way we don't have as much success or what's the benefit of working with us? So right. working with us, when we first start with people, we meet pretty regularly because we have to figure out where are you currently allocating your money? Like what are you currently investing in? And do we have to peel off some of those to then invest in something that will save taxes or mm-hmm. and put your money somewhere that will help you save taxes? Um, so we have to get a clear picture and we have to meet regularly throughout the year when we first meet with someone more than we normally would. Once sure. we're established with someone, it's once a quarter that we okay. meet with people and just get a snapshot of where they're at because businesses fluctuate. You're going to have up years and down years and you might not need as many tax strategies one year as you need sure. another year because you might have a slower year or something might be going wrong or you might have purchased a lot of equipment so you have a huge amount of deductions. So we're not just like, guessing like we're trying to be really deliberate about where they where are you going to fall with mm-hmm. your agi and can we help lower that so what we meet quarterly sometimes even on the back end of the year and the, the september onward we might meet even once or twice more to if there's a new opportunity or new thing that we we need you, to you need to pull the trigger before the end of the year right you need to correct yes you, you have to get they have to get on it but there's some due diligence that needs to be done they need to mm-hmm. understand what's going on because we don't want, this is a, this kind of goes to your question of like, can I do this myself? Yeah. Our goal is to enable you to be able to technically go on and do it without us, but we're the accountability mm-hmm. and we are going to introduce you to more opportunities along the way. We're the connection sure. point between all these opportunities. You could mm-hmm. technically go find them yourself if you wanted sure. to, right? but we have them already in house and we can just mm-hmm. offer them to you. Yeah. But our because relationships disappear, business relationships, people move, we we lose contact. Our goal is to make it so that you could technically do it without us. So we are very educationally based and you understand the principles, you understand the philosophies, so that you could maybe take it to your accountant and maybe your accountant's really gung ho and they can make these connections for you. Mm-hmm. And then you'd have just your accountant. Uh, we feel like we'd be bringing enough value to the situation that people stay with us and we're enough of an accountability partner and a help that we're not a drag or a, a de- sure. deterrent for the situation. Yeah, it makes makes a lot of sense. Um, awesome. Well, as we start to wrap up here, Justin, I've got some rapid fire questions for you. Um, you personally, what's one thing that people misunderstand about you? I think people think because I'm so stoic that I'm hard to talk to. And mm. I feel like I'm pretty good at holding a conversation and I can have some entertainment. Like, People have a like, and maybe it's myself. I need to be more outgoing. I'm, I struggle with that. But they, they, there's. I think some people think, oh, he's too scary. He's just a big finance guy. He's all about numbers. He's not fun or enjoyable to talk to. But I like. Sure. I enjoy talking about sports and outdoors and all that stuff. Too, yeah. So understood. That's a good one. Um, what's one of your biggest failures or regrets in life? I think regret is not not trying it is taking so long for me to go big and, and actually put myself out there and be a, a leader and a thought and like try and reach for being willing to fail. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Not, it's not awesome that you have the regret, but it's, yeah, you know, it's a great answer. Right. Um, if you could give yourself your 18 year old self, some advice, what would it be? Uh, do more figuring out what you wanted to do, like try and figure things out more. Don't just, like pursue business, like dive deeper. Like it goes kind of back to fear failure, but like mm-hmm. pursue other things, like try and figure out other things besides engineering and physical mm-hmm. education. Like that was like my two choices. Like I just, mm-hmm. I tried engineering. I didn't like it. So I just went this direction. Like I should have explored more. I should have like, cause honestly, I feel like I would have, I probably, if I would have taken the gone backwards, I probably would have gone an attorney route and like gotten my law degree and gone all the way mm-hmm. to like being a tax attorney and being that level of, Mm-hmm. But if, because I didn't pursue those things, I didn't go down that route. And maybe someday I'll do that you know, as mm-hmm. my time frees back up. But Got it. I, I missed out on that opportunity because I didn't I didn't know it was available. Well, that's why we're bringing the lessons to the listener out there so they can right. you know, not, uh, not make that mistake. If you were given $10 million tomorrow, what would you do with it? No, no strings attached. And it's not a tax question or it's just for you or your family. Or what would you do with it? Yeah, I would, I would almost 
for me, just because I understand how much money is needed for the future and how much I would, I would invest it almost all of it in, in some level and ever, because that, that would create generation that has the potential to create generational income. And with mm-hmm. some of the other things that we didn't touch on is we can help bridge the gap between money and deliverance of teaching your children how to handle mm-hmm. money and making the legacy actually have sustainability potential instead mm-hmm. of just being spent. Um, sure. Like I, I know that I can create that structure within my family, so I would use that to create a generational um, wealth system. So that pe- so. you all work on that piece of it a little bit as well with your business, the 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 uh, kind of the family legacy part of things. Yeah, because it's it's like the last piece that people want solved. They mm-hmm. want the initial solving of saving taxes, and that's yeah. a nice big. That's a big. Way, that's an initial like instant low hanging fruit. Win. Yeah, yeah. low hanging fruit. But the bigger impact that we want people to realize is that you can teach these principles and have these principles last through your children and your grandchildren, mm-hmm. your great grandchildren, so that your generations aren't, you have all the success and then it falls off a cliff. It's sure. you have all the success and your children take off from here and then they have yeah. it and then it keeps. So perpetuating the knowledge and perpetuating the values and perpetuating your mm-hmm. your your ability to create value in the world is something that's missing. That's like the final piece of what we bring to the sure. equation. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I know I, I had a someone on the show and he does his clients, that's what he does, but his clients have $500 million or more. And so that's right. a different, different client uh, avatar. Um, and there's a huge need for that in the, the kind of under 500 million, which is where <laughs> most of us fall. Right. Um, right. So I love that. Um, in your opinion, what's uh, one Im- important personality trait that's required for someone to be successful in your in your line of work? Could be entrepreneurship in general or your specific business. Just a personality trait you think is necessary. I'm going to give two because they're kind of they're different, but I feel like they're they're. I, I feel like both of them are needed. So number one is just grit, the ability to grind grind through failure and not give up. Not saying you grind your time away, but grind through failure in the learning process and mm-hmm. not just giving up because you hit an obstacle. Like you're not going to be successful in business if you give up when you hit the first obstacle. Sure. So that's, I think the, a really important one, but I think creativity mm-hmm. is really needed. Like you have to create a creative abundant type mindset of problem mm-hmm. solving. And even if you're a logical person like myself, like you can still yeah. be creative with your problem solving. And I yeah. think that's needed as an entrepreneur. That's something I, I, I think I, I kind of maybe didn't completely understand um, and I'm sure there's more to understand with that, but yeah, I, I'm more logical, you know, like you. And so I never thought of myself as a creative person, but if you're adding value and you're solving problems, you're creating, you're creating value, you're creating solutions for people. That's, that's creativity. So I think any successful entrepreneur, I agree, needs that creativity. Um, what's one challenge that you are facing in your business right now? Uh, trying to have enough backend support so that our systems can, so we can still deliver on what we're trying to do with the increase of, of clients that are coming mm-hmm. our way. So the backend support, train those up so that it still feels seamless and we're able to fulfill our promises like in a timely manner. Got it. Yep. Every business has, has challenges. That's for sure. Um, so that, that, but that's a good, it's a good sign that you have uh, more and more clients coming on board. Um, What's a book that you could recommend for my audience? Okay, so for because we have a business owner audience, I feel like the book Book Yourself Solid by Michael Port is an mm. extraordinary resource for okay. business owners, specifically in the service space, but it could be for the non-service space, like product-based, mm. but specifically for service-based entrepreneurs, Book Yourself Solid gives you really good mm. actionable steps that you can take to act like do exactly what the book says, Book Yourself Solid. Awesome. I have not read that. I'll have to check that out. Um, what's one question you wish I'd asked that I haven't asked? I don't think, I think we got, I think I don't, I don't have one. Yeah. I think <laughs> we, uh, we, that means I did, we, we did a good job. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, Justin, this has been fantastic, man. We've, we have covered a lot of ground and I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing about some of your, your own, uh, kind of shortcomings or, you know, um, regrets if you will. And, but just, you know, nobody's path is, is a, a straight line to success. So, um, I know that our listeners are going to be able to relate to your story for sure. Um, so thank you so much for spending your time with us. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. You have a good good rest of your day. And uh, just real quick, where can our listeners find you online? 
Oh, yeah. The easiest way is LinkedIn and just go to LinkedIn, Justin Maxwell Tax Strategist, I think is what it is. And then, or you can, if you want to talk with me, getting on my calendar is a great way too. And the easiest way to do that is go to biglifefinancial.com slash TRP and you'll go right to my calendar and we'll, we can have a discussion. Awesome. Well, Justin Maxwell, this has been fantastic. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. And to our listener out there, thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us. And that is your time. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Investors, have you ever experienced challenging communication or the headache of tracking taxes and insurance? Meet BiFi, a loan servicing company founded by investors for investors. With an expert team and best-in-class vendors, BiFi will partner with you to service your loan from start to exit. Visit BiFiLS.com to see how you can get started today. That's B-I-F-I-L-S dot com. Thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us, your time. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and fellow podcast listeners. One entrepreneur at a time, we can change the world. See you next time. Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, inspiring stories of mental, physical, and financial transformation. Available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.